Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Talking about chicken a la king, mango and garbanzo, tabbouleh, Real potatoes and vegetables with roasted garlic and basil, zucchini, ziti, granola, fruit bar. Look at all this beautiful food. Guys, it's an exciting one. Welcome to Green Eggs and Dan, where I interview amazing people with amazing minds, but all I care about is what is in their fridge. My guest today is a very good friend of mine. Those of you know, it's going to be a good episode when they're good friends. He's an amazing writer-producer with whom I have eaten extensively. He, along with his writing partner, Hayden Schlossberg, created Harold and Kumar, Go to White Castle, as well as all the successful sequels, American Reunion, and adding former guest and friend of the podcast, Josh Heald, to the mix. He created, wrote, directed the number one show in the world, in the goddamn world, Cobra Kai, season five coming out in two days, September 9th. Please welcome my very good friend, John Hurwitz. Happy to be here. This is fun. I have been waiting to get you on this podcast for a while because you are one of my favorite dining partners. We, uh, we eat well whenever we are in Atlanta, uh, whenever we're in L.A. We, we, we get along well around the table, which is, which is how I'd like to choose my friends. I feel the same way. I think we need to dine more. It, 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 <laughs> it doesn't happen enough. And whenever it does, it's always glorious. It is. Um, okay, before we get into our eating habits and all that, let's get into your fridge. You guys can see John's fridge on my Instagram, at StandUpDan. Okay, John, take us through. Uh, there's a bunch of, there's, uh, this is the first shot, which is, I'm going to say 80% liquids. It's <laughs> mostly, mostly drinks. Uh, a lot of, let's see, on the top row, let's start there. We've got is that Michelob Ultra? It looks like it. Yep. I mean, I'm surprised that you guys you guys don't do the uh, the uh, what's it called? The, the Coors uh, Banquet. The Coors Banquet. You know. Okay. So first of all, let, let me just start off with this fridge. This fridge is the fridge of myself, Hayden Schlossberg, and Josh Heald. Uh, when we were making Cobra Kai, and currently we're filming a new show, Obliterated, uh, the three of us get a house together. Um, before making which is very show, cute, which is it very is, it's adorable. It's adorable, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yes. You know, Hayden, Josh, and I have all been friends since we're teenagers. Uh, so uh, it's a it's an unusual uh, work relationship. So you know, when we're when we have to leave our families at 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 home, we pool our resources, uh, the housing allowances, and get a house together. And uh, so what you're looking at here is not my my home. What I have with my wife and two daughters. This is myself with the guys. And yes, there's quite a bit of liquids here. I think we, we like to be hydrated. We're in Albuquerque right now. Uh, so especially so you'll see diet sodas. Uh, we, yes. unless there's booze in it, I think it's, uh, it's very rare that there's calories in what we're consuming when it comes to drinks. So there's, uh, there's yeah. a lot here. Everything I see has a zero or a diet or a um, you know, it's all health conscious, very health conscious drinking going on uh, in the liquid diet of the, uh, of the, uh, of the three, of the three musketeers. I mean, this is, it's funny. Cause I feel like the fridges of people who 
either are overworked or underworked look exactly the same. Like people who have nothing to do and are just at home. Like you've got like fucking, you got like these Kroger snack medley boxes. <laughs> yep. Just yeah, for, uh, on the go. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, you know, if you look beyond just this photo, I think you have others that I sent as well. There's uh, a lot of keto going on in our group. And it's, oh. it's, inter- it's interesting because, you know, we're, we're all trying to not be complete fat shits. We're trying right. desperately not to be. Um, but you know, <laughs> it's us, impossible. Been, it's impossible. I mean, you, you've been at restaurants with us. And when, yeah. we're, when we're at a restaurant, all bets are off. Um, yeah. where, you know, there's not, we've never turned away a bread basket. Um, but you know, it's, it's these times when we're at our house where we're just trying to find, uh, as many opportunities as possible to have keto type options. Uh, for- I mean, you guys have the worst job to stay in shape in because you're constantly flooded with free food, amazing food all the time. Um, and alcohol, I imagine. I mean, it's just too much. It's, it's very, it's very hard to say no to. Um, I think, you know, my, my ex was like Seth MacFarlane's chef and her whole job was to just keep food from going into his mouth. We've, we've talked about, we actually, when we, when we moved to Albuquerque for this new show, we were, we had a meeting with a personal chef and we're like, okay, "Okay, this is going to be it. We're going to have delicious meals prepared for us. So when we come home from set, they're just waiting for us and it's all going to be healthy and it's all set. And then like a week before production, she bailed on us. She got like some oh, like no. long, long-term job and it was too late. And then here we are. Um, and it's especially tough, like on the Cobra Kai set, our, our, um, our crafty people, our craft services team. It's is, so good. It, it's so good. It, it's <laughs> the, the women who, who uh, work for us down there they they want to take care of us and they know us they're fans of the work that we've done they're fans of harold and kumar and they know we have a, a stoner background so they they approach their job as it's like when hayden josh and i were like young stoners in or i shouldn't say josh was a stoner but when hayden and i were young stoners in los angeles we would eat all sorts of like terrible terrible unhealthy food and then go to 7-eleven and at 7-eleven get things from each sort of stoner food group. It's like you have an ice cream component, you'd have a chip component, you'd have a chocolate bar component, you'd have a sweet candy component, you'd have all these different components. And that's what our craft services has become. And as we're desperately trying to avoid them these days, they're making everyone else fat on set. So at least that's something. I also think it's very funny to see what what Crafty looks like on a first season show and then on a hit show. Because first season... (laughs) It's like, all right, just uh, we got some uh, pasta with butter for everyone. And on Cobra Kai, every year I've just seen it get crazier and crazier. And now it's like lobster thermidor served table side. <laughs> it's like it's, uh, they they, it's they know how to stretch a dollar. They'll they'll go to they'll go to Ross Dress for Less and find that lobster. Uh, <laughs> that's they they told us some of the tricks. One of the things that uh, Jenny told us of Jenny be good. Uh, our uh, our crafty team. She said that like you, you'd be surprised what you find at those kinds of discount stores. And yeah. because we always we always comment to her, it's not like the, it's just like oh Fritos and you know Lay's potato chips and things like that. It's like some obscure weird brand that you've never seen before with right. weird 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 choices that are all like a stoner's dream. And you're like, where did this magical thing come from? 
And those things right. are being sold apparently at Ross Dress for Less. Amazing. Amazing. Um, hot tip. <laughs> when you can't find that random potato chip you're looking for from Spokane, Washington, they probably have it at Ross. Exactly. Um, in the door here, I am seeing the makings of Negronis. Uh, am I right? I see a very, actually, this is a very high quality sweet vermouth you have here. Yes. Um, I think it's called Antico. I forget the name of it. Uh, and then you've got your Campari. So your gin is probably somewhere else. But are you guys, uh, you guys doing the Negronis down there? There have been some Negronis going on here. Uh, Josh and Hayden especially are very into the booze scene. Yeah. So whenever we move into a house together, the two of them will go off to the liquor store and stock up. And uh, there's always a, a fully stocked bar going on at the house. You enjoy a martini. Uh, you, you like a good martini. I like a, a, a slightly dirty Grey Goose martini, Belvedere martini, up with olives, blue cheese olives. That's my, my standard drink. But I've started to expand my, um, uh, expand, expand my horizons a little bit. Lately, I've said to Hayden, hey, what are you drinking? And he'll have some high-end tequila. And I'll be like, I'll, I'll try one of those. So I'm, I'm, I'm keeping an open mind to, uh, to, to trying some new things these days. Um, so I, I can't wait for the, uh, Cobra Kai branded tequila that will be coming out. You guys should make a, make a, one of those mezcals when they put the actual Cobra inside the, have you ever seen that in Mexico? They have a snake inside the bottle. I, mezcal. I haven't seen that, but that makes complete sense. We've talked about doing like some sort of a drink called like snake venom or something like, you know, do, doing yeah. something that is Cobra Kai branded. Um, you know, everyone's getting rich off the liquor game. We got to. You know, find our hustle there. I know. Seriously, make one of those. Like, I feel like the Yellowstone now has like a branded soda. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Of course, because um, you think like Yellowstone, you think I need a branded soda. With yeah, you, I need a spike soda. I need a. <laughs> I need my truly as I'm uh, on the plains. Um, so, food seems to play a prominent role in in most of your projects. Um, starting with, let's start with Harold and Kumar, and then we'll work our way. Uh, We'll work our way forward. But I mean, you had the name of it might have been the first movie that had the actual name of a chain restaurant in the title. Um, and what uh, do you have like some sort of card where you can go into any White Castle and get free food forever? Is that a thing? You know, you know, OK, so uh, just take also, also, how do you feel about White Castle? I, I, it's not really on my radar. It was never really a thing for me. Was it a Jersey thing? I knew I know you grew up in, uh, in Jersey. So a couple things. First of all, I do not have a card, but I have a contact. I have somebody who I could reach out to at White Castle. And if I'm going to a White Castle, I could get a heads up and they'll send me things and they'll call ahead and they'll talk to a manager there. And I'm greeted with the red carpet treatment at White Castle. Wherever to, save it is. The, to save the $3 that it would cost. Listen, for your... <laughs> you got, you know, it, it's... Uh, uh, Every dollar counts, Dan. Um, but <laughs> no, but it, it's 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 one of those things that uh, it actually has an interesting history for me. I was born in Jersey, and then uh, before first grade, so from first through seventh grade, I lived outside of Pittsburgh. And they don't have White Castles uh, in that area, or they didn't at the time. And but whenever my grandparents would come and visit us, this was before they had the frozen burgers at the at the supermarkets and convenience stores. My grandparents, whenever they'd come and fly to Pittsburgh, they would go to White Castle beforehand and get a hundred pack of White Castle burgers that were like freeze dried or whatever it was. However, they, they would bring their luggage and they'd bring these White Castle burgers. 
So it has memories from my childhood and, and oh my warm, God. warm thoughts of my grandparents because my parents grew up in the Bronx, New York. They had White Castle as a part of their everyday life. They came from the projects or worse than the projects and didn't have, you know, it wasn't a lot of money going for food and White Castle was inexpensive and delicious for if you like that sort of thing. Um, so in my, it, I have a taste of childhood with that. Um, when writing Harold and Kumar, our thought was really like, we, we always, we've always felt that we like when our entertainment feels like it's in the real world, where it feels mm -hmm. like these are real places that real people would go to so that Harold and Kumar are like any one of us. So in New Jersey, they have White Castles, you know, throughout the state. And we were looking for places that were open 24 hours so our characters could go on an adventure like that and are not so prevalent that they're not everywhere. Like it was McDonald's, it would, you, you, the there's movie's no movie. over in 10 minutes. The, yeah. The movie's over there. So that it was a combination of those things. And we felt like it was a really specific thing, getting even headier about it. There's with the layers of these being two um, diverse characters at a time when you didn't have Asian uh, or Indian characters, uh, certainly Asian Indian American characters headlining a movie. There was something about going to White Castle that was symbolic to their mm. journey. Uh, so there was a lot that went into it. But to, to this day, I do have relationships there and uh, they've always been good to us. I love that. I don't really know when I would want to go to a White Castle, like White Castle versus McDonald's versus Burger King. Where does it fall in the echelon of burgers? I mean, it is, it is its own little thing. I, I feel like they were doing sliders before sliders were a thing, like a that, smash patty slider. They were. So first of all, they're the oldest uh, hamburger chain in the country. Uh, White Castle. They predate okay. all of them and they no have their way. own. Yeah, they do. And they and they and they're also a family owned company. Every single White Castle location is owned by one person. One, one family, I should say. So wow. when we were getting the rights to, to White Castle, it made it actually easy. It was like less of a complicated process where they had shareholders. It was literally like the PR guy who was like this young, cool guy at this company, this like, you know, that's based in Columbus, Ohio, who read the script and thought it was hilarious. And the people of White Castle like know who goes to White Castle. They're not like, right. they're not thinking, okay, this is like people are showing up in tuxedos. It's people who are drunk or high in the middle of the night is really their like core demographic. So they, right, they weren't right. worried about what we were doing there. Um, you know, I think it's a, uh, if you go to White Castle, if you want to feel like I ate a lot of burgers, you know, because right. they're smaller and you're like, right. I want to go in, I ate six burgers or I ate 12 burgers because I'm an animal and I want to feel like that. Um, right. It's especially but it's, all, it's all just one burger just cut into 12, basically. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's what it is. But it, it's, the, it's the grilled onions have this special flavor that is so unique. Um, mm. And it's just, you know, it's for me, it's like, you know, late night, you're, you're drunk. Now they've opened a couple in Las Vegas. Uh, so there's other options in Vegas for late night dining, but it's one of those things where a couple times where, you know, it's three in the morning and you want to sop up some of the booze, White Castle, yeah. just throw a bunch of burgers down there. And it's a recipe for uh, a glorious evening. Amazing. Um, I like the way food plays a role in Cobra Kai. Uh, it's very interesting to me. I mean, basically, in the pilot, the op the opening scene basically is he's got his Coors banquet, and then he's making a fried bologna sandwich. It's not even a sandwich. It's like he's frying up bologna and using his hand and dipping it in in. in it was uh, Del Monte ketchup, I think. We we're like he doesn't own. He can't afford Heinz. Oh my so God. <laughs> we were like, we we're like, it can't be like, we we're like, maybe it's hunts. And then we were like, look through, we we're like, what's the most obscure, like <laughs> random ketchup 
that he could get. And we made sure that it was like extra watery when he puts it on his plate. Uh, yeah. Cause we were showing that Johnny like doesn't have uh, particularly high end tastes in food and he's not putting a whole lot of effort in, but he's getting his protein. And he's frying the bologna though. He is doing yeah. that. Like he there's does want to, <laughs> there's a little, there's just enough to give himself a warm belly, which is nice. And then the other thing that, so that's his kind of opening scene. And then the thing that sets him off is, is, basically at the convenience store when he has the pizza that served the bodega pizza which is like that's like the last straw is when they <laughs> that's like that that is close to what gets him to to the edge are you a are you a 7-eleven pizza guy have you ever gone down that road you know i i haven't gone down that road <laughs> I, I i i'm not above it i'll tell you that i've uh <laughs> i i've eaten in my share of uh you know down and dirty places but uh, I haven't, uh, you know, maybe it's the Jersey in me that like I need one notch up at least when it comes to pizza. To, right, uh, right, right. But that scene was really fun. It was like we went out of our way to tell the actor, Vas Sanchez, who's playing the uh, Nestor, the convenience store clerk, that like hold the pizza in a way that no one would ever hold a piece of pizza. And you have like <laughs> Band-Aids on his hand. So it's like he's holding it at like it, like palming it where it, it's his fingers are on not just on the crust. <laughs> right, right, right. It's amazing. Yeah. And he's got the band-aids on it. Um, I love it. It's so good. And then on the other end, we have the LaRusso food, which you've got uh, mom's, is it mom or grandma's chicken cacciatore recipe that makes, makes I, it? it it's da Daniel's mom. It's da Daniel's mom's famous recipe. And they'll go to the country club. They have lobster night, which was yes. one of my, one of my favorites, favorite stories uh, from shooting a food story was, so, you know, when you're, when you're filming, um, as you know, Dan, like that, if someone's eating something on camera, you need to shoot the scene from a lot of different angles in a lot of different takes. So oftentimes there's a spit bucket nearby. So you take the food in, you maybe eat a little bit, but you do this and then you say cut and then they spit out the food. So you're not eating like 10 hamburgers or 10, you know, just a, a huge amount of something. Right. So it's lobster night. And uh, we had Ken Davidian um, playing. Uh, Armand Zarkarian, who Daniel is trying to kind of butter up and, and, uh, you know, uh, get him to help him out with something. And, and uh, Armand, the character is sort of just dipping lobster in, in the butter and eating it in like a sloppy kind of way as, as was scripted. And we yell cut. And then in between takes, he just continued eating the lobster. <laughs> and it became this thing where he's just eating lobsters and lobsters. And eventually, uh, you know, after like, you know, two, three, four takes, and you have, we're probably going to do 10, 12 more takes because of a variety of different angles. Our, our assistant director, Dieter, comes over to us and says, you know, um, guys, you know, we got to just tell Ken that, like, you know, you shouldn't be eating the lobster in between takes because, you know, he's going to get full and we only have 12 lobsters. Oh, my and, God. And oh so then jo Josh, who was directing this, had to go over to him and sort of say to him, Hey, like, you know, we got to do this there, you know? And, and Ken was just like, so somebody, I, I'm assuming somebody told you that uh, to come over here and tell me. And he's like, well, how many lobsters? He's like, they're afraid I'm going to eat 12 lobsters. And it was just <laughs> like the, the, the funniest, funniest thing. And the truth of the matter is I, it's probably a good thing we warned him because he was not stopping. It was, <laughs> it was, he was at a lobster buffet. It was lobster night for him. And he was just going to keep eating it until we ran out. Oh my God. That is amazing. Yeah. He, uh, that tracks, that tracks. I could see that. I could see that being a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, that is hilarious. Uh, I'm, 
try it. And then Sushi also also plays a prominent role. I think LaRusso, Daniel Russo makes Sushi at home once, doesn't he? He does. He does. Uh, like the a famous, tuna belly, uh, was it? It was the, it was the LaRusso Ponzu Toro. Yes. I think it's what it was. Jo- <laughs> we always like to joke around because he like pours like, you know, uh, some soy sauce on it or, or, a pon- or it was a ponzu. He pours a ponzu on it. But there's a lot of ponzu. And, uh, right. and we always like to joke around that like he ruined that piece of fish. That like he, right, right. he, like, he really right. just, drowned, he just drowned it in there. There was a per- He went to the Japanese market. He's, his character said that he went to the Japanese market, but he just sort of just drowned it. And oh my God. we were saying if Mr. Miyagi saw him do that, he would probably not approve. <laughs> My favorite, my favorite food, well, it's a wine Easter egg that happens in the last season where I literally paused the TV and went, oh my God, and had to like run, like watch the scene over and over again was when Silver is in his wine cellar, the moment that he like basically is going to break bad and he roundhouse kicks a, I think it's a magnum of, of wine and you guys like close up in on the wine, probably for like one frame too long. And I'm like, what is it about that wine? Why do they focus in on it? And then I stopped and I saw it and it was, it was basically Robert Kamen, who's the writer of The Karate Kid. It's his winery. He's got a winery in Napa. And it was, that was the wine that he roundhouse kicked. And I was like, oh, that was so luscious. <laughs> Yes, it it was fun, you know. So yeah, we become good friends with Robert over the years. Um, he's he he's so funny. He's an old school guy. He actually grew up a block away from my mother in the Bronx, and wow. was like a couple years older than him. It turns out, but no, he's he's had a long, successful um, screenwriting career. To this day, he's still turning out movies. He created all the all the Karate Kids, all the Taken movies, all the no uh, Transporter movies, The Fifth Element, like a wide array of stuff. And wow. uh, but he bought a winery many years ago with one of his first screenwriting checks. He was like up in Northern California and he was like, you know, a, a hippie getting stoned on a hillside with a bunch of friends. And the, the, the land was for sale and he just bought a bunch of land just on a whim. And no it turned way. out to it's in Sonoma and it turned out to be perfect land to uh, to to start a winery on. And as he got older and got into food and wine and that kind of thing, he started this winery. So yeah, when we were having silver uh, come here, come and kick a bottle of wine in his wine cellar, we reached out to Robert and said, Hey, we'd love to showcase your wine there and give it a little shout out when Terry silver kicks a magnum of your wine against the wall. Did a lot of people catch that? I want to think that I'm special. You are special. I think there were people who caught it, you know, the, the, the super fans of, of, of karate kid who, no came in by name and uh, okay. right. no no of his wine, but there but you're you're in the in the elite group of of uh, hardcores who figured that out. Um, I had dinner recently with the uh, with the Ralph Macchio, which uh, I don't know if I told you the the story of of what went down, but it's I'm probably not. like it's become one of my favorite stories that like if I'm ever on like a late night couch, I have to tell. But you know, I. St- Ralph and I have become very good friends and he doesn't, I didn't realize this, but he doesn't follow a lot of people on Instagram and I'm like one of the people that he follows. I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. And he's always the first person looking at my stories when I post, like he's a little bit of a super fan, right? So he knows how much of a foodie I am. And every time I'm in Atlanta, we always talk about food and wine. And he's always like, we got to, we got to meet up. We got to have food. And, you know, actors will say this sometimes and, you know, they don't really mean it. So I'm like, oh, OK. And I text them when I'm in New York, but it never happened. 
Anyway, a month ago, I text him. I'm like, hey, I'm going to be in New York. He's like, I'm in New York, too. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. He's like, meet me at the steakhouse Sunday night in Long Island, on Long Island. I'm like, okay, no problem. I'm so excited. I'm like going out to the steakhouse. And he sends me a picture of this bottle of wine, which is a 2006 Sasakaya, which is like a $600 bottle of wine. And I'm like, oh, my. He's like, took this out of the cellar. We're going we're gonna to have a wonderful meal. I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So I get to the steakhouse early. And I'm like, hi, um, yeah, I, I have a table for two. She's like, under what name? I'm like, I think it's under the name Ralph Macchio. And she's like, oh, yes, of course, Ralph Macchio's table. So the manager comes out and he's like, oh, thank you so much. We're huge fans of the show. Thank you for choosing our restaurant. And I go, listen, I'm paying for this meal. No matter what, I give him my credit card. I'm like, this is my meal to pay for. He's like, oh, this is Mr. Macho's favorite place. You know, he's not going to be happy. I'm like, I don't want to fight. I don't want anything. I'm paying for this meal. You don't know the wine this guy is bringing me. So Ralph walks in and it's like Long Island Jesus just fucking walked into the restaurant. <laughs> Everyone goes nuts. And they seat us at the best table and he's got a little wine valise and he takes out this bottle and like, you know, it's like the sommelier comes over with like this tweezers, can't believe it, opens it up, pours a little bit for each of us. And we take a sip and it's corked. Oh, my God. And he's like, oh, my God, Danny, I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. Don't worry. This place has the best wine list. Johnny, bring over the wine list. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, my oh, God. This is great. No. I love this. And I'm like, I'm completely fucked. So he's like, what have you been drinking lately? with And what are you into? I'm like, oh, you know, wine doesn't really matter. It's just the friends that you're drinking with. And he and he's like, I've been loving these big Napa cabs lately. I was like, oh, my God, I'm completely screwed. And he starts going through the list. And he's like, this one here, this one's 600 bucks. It's drinking pretty well. Uh, oh, this one's 650, which actually isn't a bad price for this. I'm like, I'm completely fucked, you know. And he brings over the sommelier. He's like, what do you think between these two wines? And he's like, he's like, Ralph, you're going to think I'm crazy. But there's a wine on the list. It's only <laughs> 190 bucks. And it is fantastic. And Ralph is like, really? As in like. How can a wine that's 190 bucks taste good? <laughs> and he's like, Dan, what do you think? I'm like, I don't know. Sounds crazy, Ralph, but let's do it. <laughs> so he brings the wine. The wine's awesome. We have a great. And then the, the menu comes. and He's like, Dan, I'm going to show you Long Island food is just as good as New York City food. Let's get the dry aged ribeye. Let's get the oysters, the caviar. He just goes all out. And we had this wonderful meal. The bill comes. And then he's like, it comes right to me. And he's like, what's happening? I'm like. Ralph, I got this. It's on me. He's like, what do you mean it's on you? No, I wanted to show you. I'm like, I got you, man. You get the next one. And like a flash went over his face and he like realized what happened. He's yep. like, holy shit. You <laughs> saw the wine and you came early to pay. And we both start dying laughing. He's like, that's going to be my move from now. on. I'm just going to send a picture of an expensive bottle of wine before dinner. I was like, you should call it the Machio. He's like, I totally Machio you. <laughs> that's the so. best. That's an amazing story. And that's so Ralph. Every element of that story is 100% Ralph. Oh, my God. It's so great because it's like we were both trying to be overly nice to each other and both just getting fucked in the <laughs> in the process. That is awesome. Oh, so amazing. Um, but uh, yes, he is a he is a huge foodie and a huge wino. And it's such a it's such a pleasure to to be his friend and uh, and embark in all these wonderful foodie adventures. No, he's the coolest. He's it's you know, we you always say, you know, people say don't meet your heroes. It's the opposite with him. It's like he's everything you'd want him to be and then some. Oh, a hundred million percent. So I know that you guys are, you guys are going on social media and you're giving little, you've given a little, some spoilers of, uh, the next season, which comes out in two days, uh, on Netflix, of course. Uh, is there any food spoiler that you can give us? 
Does food play a role in the next season the, in, a, in an season, interesting way? Season five, food. There is, uh, I know that people know that there's going to be a, uh, a Mexico storyline. And okay. there, is, so there is a contest of sorts that involves food. I'm not going to say much more. So there's a food-related uh-huh. contest uh, in there. I'm trying to think of beyond that. Ah, yes, there's a, uh, this is a story. So um, I'm not going to get into specifics of it, but there's a scene that takes place in, um, uh, in the, at an olive garden. Okay. Okay. So there's a scene that takes place at an olive garden. And the funny story behind that is there's an actor who plays the waiter, the olive garden waiter. And, uh, his, uh, the actor, um, the actor in that scene is actually our favorite waiter in Atlanta. So there's a restaurant that we love in Atlanta called La Grata, which, uh, have we ever, have we been there together? I don't think it, we have. No, it's in Buckhead. It's this Italian restaurant that's been there for 40 to 45 years. That is, you pull up to like an, an old, like 70s style, like apartment building that like your grandparents might live in. And you're yes. like, what is this building? Except you take this elevator downstairs and you're transported to like, an old school, awesome Italian, uh, you know, old school Italian steakhouse slash pasta place. And it's, it's this marvelous, wonderful place. And we've been going there for five years now, since the beginning of Cobra Kai. And there's this waiter, Billy there, who is just comes in and he's a total character and he's got this great personality, makes you feel at home and, and has this whole vibe that gives us a great vibe there. And when we were, it was early filming of season five, we brought up our writer's room to Atlanta because we were kind of hustling to, to, into production and we needed all of our writers there. And we took all the writers out for dinner and we had this Olive Garden scene coming up and Billy was our waiter. And I said, I turned to, to Bob Dearden, who was working on the episode and said, Hey, you know what? The Olive Garden waiter, take notes of who, of Billy right here. And let's like style him after Billy and his persona and let's hire Billy to be the, the, the waiter. So we have like the waiter of our favorite Italian restaurant in Atlanta playing a waiter at Olive Garden. Oh my God. And when you see the scene, what's so great about it is he's hilarious in the scene. Like whenever I I watch it, you know, in post-production, you watch the the episodes with sort of the mixing team, like all the people who are doing the sound stuff, the post team, the editors, and you're sometimes sitting in a room with them and they're laughing along to the, the things that are funny. And he's just crushing his scene. Billy is just making, getting big laughs from all these people. And they're like, who is this guy? Like everyone's like asking who he is. Cause it feels like, you know, in like a, it's like a Will Ferrell movie. And suddenly like, you know, Chris Parnell shows up or some other like, you know, actor who is just like a hilarious comedy performer who a, a, a specific cameo is written for them and they pop in and they just crush their scene and they're out. Except this is a guy that no one knows other than us because he's a, a waiter at an Italian restaurant. That is unbelievable. I love yeah. that. That is yeah. that is quintessential. You guys, I could totally see you guys just giving the <laughs> random waiter a shot. And he's and he's awesome. I can't wait for people to see him in the scene because he's very funny. White Castle was founded in 1921 in Wichita, Kansas. As John mentioned, it started by one family, the Ingrams, and it is still owned by just them. No franchises, no stocks, just pure burger billions, baby. The original name of the company was White Castle System of Eating Houses Corporation. And then Justin Timberlake said, take out the System of Eating Houses Corporation, just White Castle. 
At the time, Americans were hesitant to eat ground beef after Upton Sinclair's 1906 book, The Jungle, had publicized the poor sanitation practices of the meatpacking industry. The founders set out to change the public's perception of the cleanliness of the industry they were creating. To invoke a feeling of cleanliness, their restaurants were small buildings with stainless steel interiors and employees outfitted with spotless uniforms. Ingram started with only $700 for the original White Castle, and now it is worth around a billion dollars. That is a lot of sliders. Fall is finally here, guys, which means back to routine, back to busy schedules, and back to the best time-saving hack for weeknight dinners Every plate. If you think meal kits are too expensive, think again. Every plate is 25% cheaper than grocery shopping, not even comparing it to the other meal plans, which are ridiculously expensive. This is going to be cheaper than shopping at the groceries. Don't turn to takeout when things get hectic. Instead, get every plate delivery. It's 58% cheaper than your average fast casual meal, and you can always feel good about what you're eating. They use quality ingredients. Everything comes pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste. You know, like that big bag of spinach you throw out every week. I literally, I was just away for one week in New York. I came back and I threw out two garbage bags full of food. It's a travesty, I tell you, a travesty. Let me tell you something, I do order a lot of takeout. And when I started uh, trying out these meals, they were delicious. I was not missing anything from my takeout except for the expensive price. So it's a nice alternative to always ordering in when that is your other option. Get your first box for just $1.49 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code GREENEGGS149. Guys, $1.49 per meal. This is ridiculous. Get started with EveryPlate for just $1.49 per meal on your first box by going to everyplate.com and entering code GREENEGGS149. If you know me as a single man in his 40s, you know that there's one thing I'm obsessed with. Children's vitamins. I'm here to talk to you about Haya. Look, I don't have kids. My friends do, and they all love this stuff because typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They're filled with sugar, unhealthy chemicals, other gummy junk growing kids should never eat. That's why Haya was created. It is the pediatrician-approved super-powered chewable vitamin. Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door so parents have one less thing to worry about. This stuff is non-GMO. It's vegan. It's dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else you can imagine. On a serious note, again, I, I obviously don't use the product, but a lot of my friends do, and they swear by it. When I started doing ads for them, they all reached out, and they were like, oh my god, I use Haya. It's amazing. So you can also be part of the Haya community. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamins. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash green eggs. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-L-T-H dot com slash green eggs and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, so we're going to get to the questions that I ask everyone towards the uh, end of the podcast, starting with, what is your earliest food memory? It's so funny to like really think through what it, what it is. I, I think the most vivid one that I have was when I was very young. I was a kid living in New Jersey, and for one of my birthdays, um, we ended up going to Chinatown in, in, in the city 
And I don't remember the restaurant. I don't remember the name, but we had dim sum for the first time. And it was, you know, they're, they're pushing around the carts. And yeah. I remember, I'll never forget sort of that feeling of like the buffet that shows up at your table. And it's like, you could just have the things off the cart. And they really remember the reason why I think it stuck in my head was it was the first time I was at that restaurant. It was the first time in person I saw somebody with a glass eyeball. And okay. <laughs> it was, it was, this was in the, this was in the eighties. So the technology wasn't great then. So there was like this giant eye <laughs> like that marble. someone had. So it was kind of like, it's like, it was a traumatizing experience in the sense that you, it reminds you in the like, Pee Wee's Big Adventure when you see Large Marge for the first time. It's this right. image that never like leaves your brain. <laughs> so I kind of have this, uh, you know, strange experience where I remember having like the most exciting, like food experience of my life with like this buffet that shows up at your table mixed with a thing that as a six-year-old child, you were like scared at the same time by something. So that's, <laughs> right. that's a, a distinct food memory for me. Yeah. What an interesting Pavlovian reflex that you have now, whenever you see a dim sum place is to just think of a cyborg eye. <laughs> Yeah, whenever I see a glass eye, I get I'm starving. (laughs) Right, it goes the other way around too. It it does. Um, Okay, what is your death row meal? Um, Let's think of why you'd be on death row. Let's say you made fun of the glass eye guy, and then he came at you, and then six year old you just picked up some chopsticks and boom to the throat. I think that might be death row. That feels like the reason. So I put some thought into this. You know, I would need a, a full-on tasting menu uh, of, of death row meals. So I have, a, a, you know, uh, a bunch oh, of courses. Okay. So I'd probably, I'd start off with the pretzel bread from Mastro's Steakhouse in Beverly okay. Hills. I love that Very pretzel good. bread. Now, sometimes it's hit or miss in terms of it needs the right amount of crispiness and the right amount of softness and, the, and quite a bit of salt. Yes. So that would be my bread course. I would have a caviar course with all the bells and whistles. I'd have every, yeah. you know, you know, the, the egg and the, the onion and the chives and like uh, the creme fraiche. I'd, I'd have all of it. On potato chip or on a Bellini? I'd have it on a Bellini, but probably a couple of t- potato chips there on the side just to be able okay. to mix it up. Um, this, is very two- high end. this is a very high end prison you're staying in. You're, the, well, this is, I assume <laughs> it's my last meal and you get to request anything. The, the, yeah. there's, the cost is no object. And you'll right. see that I, that I'm going to have some uh, some you know lower tier stuff as well, but not here. I'm going to next also I'll have an appetizer course of the tuna cones from Spago. Ah, um, yes, those, those are wonderful. Are, those are amazing. Um, for my salad course, I would either go for Hugo's Cellar in Las Vegas, which is uh, at the Four Queens Hotel in Old Vegas. There's this old school steakhouse, a prime rib joint, and they have this salad cart that they bring to your table. Uh, I, I love it when people bring things to the table, like, you know, yes. and you get to make choices there. So they have a, a, a salad cart that has like 20 different ingredients. And they say, would you like this ingredient? And you say, yes, this ingredient say yes. And, and, you know, I know that I like every single ingredient that they have on there, but I never say I'll take all of them because then they'll, they'll give you a little less of each. So I say ah, yes each time and wow. get the big, the big pile of salad. Hot tip. So, that's the hot tip. So either uh, the Hugo Cellar salad or Dantana's Caesar salad is is up there for me. So okay, I wait, to- hold on. So I'm just picturing you at this first salad place, and you're like, "Let me just get the romaine," and they're like, "Okay," and they just pile it high with romaine. They pile it high. You know what? You know what? I will get some olives, and then boom, a lot of olives. Wait, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll get the anchovies. Sure. 
Oh, the anchovies. That's the key. The key. The key. When I think of the Hugo Cellar salad, is the anchovies and the the uh, the beets are uh, yeah are are the are the keys to it. But there's a lot of good stuff there. So it's either that or the Dantana Caesar. Uh, Which the is next, an amazing Caesar. Yeah, it's amazing Caesar. Um, the next thing is uh, something that I'll, uh, is the beef Wellington from Marcel at, in Atlanta. In Atlanta. Oh, interesting. So that, by is, the way, I've never been there either. I think I tried to get in once and I even dropped, I, I dropped Cobra Kai and they still couldn't get us in. I, it was just packed. They were like, we just don't have the real estate. Marcel is phenomenal. If you're in Atlanta, it's an incredible restaurant. It's it, the irony of it is the first time I went there, the thing about the, the beef Wellington is you have to order it a day or two in advance. I don't know if it's 24 or 48 hours in advance. So you have to mm. like, and it's a beef Wellington for two. So it's, it's just phenomenal. But first time I went there, I didn't know about it. And I had their, um, their veal parm, which was mm-hmm. one of the best veal parms I've ever had in my life also. Get out of here. So if I'm there with a group of people, you'll order, you know, a Wellington or two, maybe have a veal parm on the table and everyone's doing a little bit of sharing. But if this is my death row meal, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going for the beef Wellington. You're dying of a heart attack before you die of a lethal injection. Well, speaking of a heart attack, so what, because I'm about to die, after I've eaten the beef Wellington, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have Taco Bell bring me a chili cheese burrito, a chilito, if you will. Huh. It's, it, it's a thing that in my childhood and as a teenager, it was my favorite item at Taco Bell. And okay. it's been mostly discontinued around the country. Uh, you, I, I'm, I'm on, on, in Facebook or on Facebook, I am a, a member of a chili cheese burrito <laughs> lovers group. Um, <laughs> So there are occasionally it pops up. In fact, last season I was in Atlanta uh, and I, it was a late night shoot. Wait, what do you I, get? Hold on. What do you guys talk about on the Facebook group devoted to this? You just keep going through your memories it, and why don't they no, bring it no, back? No, it, no, it, it, because it, it exists still. There's certain Taco Bells around the country that have it and they don't always have it. So it'll be like someone's like, hey, I'm in this random state in this random town and my Taco Bell has the chili cheese burrito right now. <laughs> And they, people are taking pictures of the Chili's burrito. Oh and they put it God. up there. The, so it's the, like the, it's like the next door app, but just for this one Taco just, Bell item. Just for just for that one item. And the last season of Taco <laughs> of Cobra Kai, season five, uh, uh, I was ordering Taco Bell late at night one night, and I, on Postmates, and I saw the Chilito on there. So I got, I had, I had the Chili Cheese burrito. Uh, you know, within the last you know year. Did you and upload it to the group? Did you take a screenshot? I, I did not upload the... it to the group. Oh. No, no. I oh, you're it, just a taker? You're no, just a taker. I, no, in the group, I am a taker in the group. The, the, the fu- uh, weird other Cobra Kai connection to the Cholito group was season one of Cobra Kai. Um, we filmed, we had young Johnny, young Johnny Lawrence riding his bike around the neighborhood. And we yeah. filmed that as a splinter unit. So there was a regular unit going on. And I went off with like a small crew to like 45 minutes away to this neighborhood. And I'm in the van with, the actor who played young Johnny and his mom and we're chatting and I don't know how it came up, but somehow it came up that she's obsessed with the Cholito. She brought it up before I did. And Come she did. And so like we ended up like it was, it was meant to be, um, you know, I'm now, I'm now the father of that kid. No, but it's, <laughs> no, but it's, Wait, uh, I wonder if that was like one of those things, like when you're going on a first date and you Google the person and you find out what they're into and you just kind of yeah. subtly bring it up. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoy ice fishing in Lake Manitoba. Wait, what? It, it might've <laughs> been. That's where but, I go ice fishing. 
Yeah, it was it was so funny. But uh, yeah, no, the Cholito is a very specific thing. But to finish off my meal, I don't want to like, you know, keep us here all day with the death row meal. But oh, please, I'm enjoying this. I'm thinking uh, this is, you know, so I love the Magnolia Bakery banana pudding. And okay, yes. it was always a favorite of mine. But recently in Atlanta, I started trying the banana pudding at like Fox Brothers and Hattie B's and places like that when mm. I was just ordering in. And they do the they do the hot banana pudding. The warm banana pudding, interesting, and, and it has it's similar, but I think even more delicious than Magnolia Bakery's banana pudding. Really, which was shocking to me because wow. I thought that was Shots good. So fired. I know, that, and I love and I love Magnolia, the Magnolia one. That Magnolia one is also very easy to make and such a crowd pleaser. Like if you ever need to make a dessert for like a party or something, I always make that. It's my go-to, and people are like, they think you slaved like. It's the easiest thing. It's just like whipped cream and fucking Nilla wafers and and like Jello pudding. Like you need to use the artificial Jello pudding mix, or it's not. It's not the right one. Well, if I can't, and and because I can't have just one dessert at my last meal, of um, course not. I, I, I'm gonna go to you know. There's a restaurant Animal in in Los Angeles. Uh, yeah. And uh, years ago, 15 years ago, when it first opened, they had a donut on the menu. That was, I, I, I found in my experience, I love donuts, but yeah. high-end donuts, it's rare for me to order a donut at a nice, fancy restaurant that I like as much as a donut at a regular donut shop. I always feel right. like it's a step down, typically. This donut that they made was uh, the donut that I, that I it, it was, it would be my, my wow. number one donut, and then they discontinued it there. I don't know why, uh, but they what discontinued it. What kind of donut it. was it? It was sort of, it was a warm like, I don't want to just say like glazed donut because it was so mm -hmm. much more than that, but it, it wasn't super, it wasn't super, um, it's, it wasn't quite a Cinnabon, but it was like somewhere between a glazed donut and a Cinnabon, but warm and with a, a chef's touch that was wow. like, okay, this has, this had a sweetness and a flavor that, and a texture that was next level. And I was very upset when they stopped making. You know, I won't have a donut after 12 o'clock. I think a donut is a breakfast food, and I have a tough time having donuts at night. I don't know what it is, but I just can't do it. You're yeah. probably right. It's funny because I rarely have a donut for breakfast because that early in the day is where I'm trying to be really healthy. And because I've been healthy all day and I'm starving, I give up late at night. So, Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, that's how it goes. That's, how, that's literally how all of my days go. I start with a smoothie. I end with a lot of wine. Um, what is the best high-end meal you've ever had? You know, I, I would say, uh, you know, I would say Marcel in Atlanta and talk about the, uh, the beef Wellington wow. again. That's one of my That's favorites. That's a recent meal. That's like in the last five years. The, the, the other one that I would say is really hard, hard for me. It's hard to beat is Providence in Los Angeles. Uh, it's, it's a special place for my wife and I, whenever there's a major special occasion. Um, yeah, it's like and, a seafood centric tasting menu. Seafood centric tasting menu, but they've had like, you know, even their like amuse bouche kind of courses are always unique things. They used to have these like, you know, meat cigars, basically, mm. like these little rolled kind of meat things that they no longer do. And they have like the, the, uh, the egg, the, 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 the soft boiled egg with the caviar that you stir together. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, that's, that's just a, it's tried and true. It's too expensive, but it's a place that we, uh, we enjoy every time we're there. I love it. Um, I'm going to ask you what your best low end is, but I'm assuming it's that Taco Bell burrito. 
That's up there. You know, it's funny because when 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 you asked beforehand, is the best or the worst that you've ever had? Yes. I figured this was an opportunity for me to go with the worst I've ever had. Please. So do. the worst is the Okie Dog from Okie Dog in Los Angeles. Oh, and wait, is that that place that's in the farmer's market? No, no, no. It's near there. It's on Fairfax, um, uh, up north of Melrose, south of Santa Monica Boulevard. Okay. On the east side of the street. It's, I think it's Willoughby and Fairfax. I like oh how I'm, real, I'm, I'm telling you exactly <laughs> where you can get the worst food in the world. I love that, how much you're putting them on blast. Cause like a lot of times when people do this one, they're like, I'm not going to say the name, but I have. No, no, I, I'm coming out and saying it because I'm a guy who loves going to a, a, a down and dirty dive kind of place. And this is exactly what I would want. So I remember going there with Hayden and I, uh, Hayden and I went there like early in living in LA and didn't have a okay. good meal there. I remember being disappointed and being like, okay, but this exists. It's clearly existed for a while. So we were like, this is the worst thing I've ever had. A year wow. goes by, a year goes by. And I'm like, you know, it couldn't have been that bad. It couldn't have been that bad. I must've, it must've been an off night or whatever it was. So I went there and I ordered the Okie dog and to tell you what an Okie dog is, and this may sound gross to you, but this is very up my alley. It was, it's two hot dogs on a flour tortilla covered with chili and pastrami and wrapped up like a burrito. Mm. Okay? That sounds pretty fun, actually. I'm, it I'm sounds down with fun. that. It sounds fun to me. And what I discovered when I first moved to Los Angeles that I loved was that pastrami is a condiment in LA. Right. Right. That like, <laughs> I never knew this. I've always loved pastrami, but I didn't realize it was a condiment. And I, <laughs> there was a place called Big, Big Tommy's. It's probably pronounced Big Tommy's, but it's spelled Big Tommy's. So okay. I, I first discovered that in my first week in LA that they had a pastrami burger. And then I would always go to Astro Burger and have the pastrami burger and, or their, or their, um, their patty melt and their zucchini fries. So that's, the, that's yeah. a good, that's like a, like top, that's a, a best kind of low end meal. This place, Okie Dog, it was like, I, I, I saw the Okie Dog in the menu. It was love at first sight. And then I bite into it and it just tastes like poison. It tastes, oh I, I don't know how to describe, I don't know what ingredients they're putting in there beyond like what, what version of hot dog or chili that they have. But both times I ate there, it tasted like poison to me and I'm putting them on blast and I'm sorry to do it. I, I, I praise <laughs> White Castle. I praise, you know, you know, yeah, Lucy's drive through on, uh, on La Brea down below has great banana milkshakes. That's a real down and dirty place. Like, I'm not above any of this, but Okie Dog, I'm above you, and you should do better. <laughs> By the way, I also love the fact that you keep going back because you're like, it couldn't have been that bad. You're like, on my 15th time. <laughs> I know. I was I like, know. no, it just gets worse and worse. <laughs> Fool me 14 <laughs> times. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, what is your, you can, you know what? I'm going to make an exception on, on this question. We can do favorite drunk food or favorite stoner food. Whichever one you prefer. I'm just going to say Taco Bell. I'm going to say yeah. it's at the end of the day, it's Taco Bell, whether it's a chili cheese burrito or my order typically. Now the Doritos Locos Tacos changed my life. That mm. was really like, <laughs> I thought that that was, that was one of the greatest food innovations in the last, I don't know, 200, 300 years. Yes. Um, it's, I think innovation in general, it's like yes, air exactly. conditioning, air conditioning, penicillin and the Doritos Locos Taco. The, the upsetting thing is that, and I, I blame the pandemic on this, is they used to have the, the different types of shells. They had like the nacho cheese shell. They had the, they, sometimes they had the cool ranch shell and they had the fire yeah. shell. And I like the fiery shell because I'm a big fan of spicy food. And I noticed since the pandemic, 
they only have the uh, the nacho flavor. So I still get it and I still love it. Um, I mean, if there a lot of people don't know, but that is probably the worst thing to come out of the pandemic. That is, is. The, that is the worst thing about COVID. I think it's like up there with the deaths. It's somewhere. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't it's, think it is. <laughs> you don't think it is? Okay, well. <laughs> you know what's, that, what's interesting about that taco for me is that I'm not a fan of processed cheese uh, crackery things. Like I, and it's not because I'm being pretentious. I just, I just don't get down with Doritos or Cheetos. That's just not, it doesn't hit my neurons in the right way. But as a taco shell, it was magical. Um, I think it's perfect as a taco shell. Well, it's, it's so funny. I love when something, when something gets repurposed that you love individually. I remember when I, when I first, the first time I filmed in Atlanta was the movie American reunion. Mm-hmm. And that, that was what, 2012, I was filming there to, or 2011, I was filming there. And it was all the rage in the local restaurants at the time to have burgers with donut buns. Oh I yes. I don't yes. know if you remember I- that. That. I do. And I fucking hated it. I did not like it. See, I was the, uh, did you try it and you didn't like it? Yes, I did. I did. Okay. So for me, when I tried it for the first time there, I thought I'd been eating both burgers and donuts incorrectly this entire time. I thought that, it, <laughs> I thought that like, I thought that everyone has been making mistakes for the eternity of both of those foods. And that like, you're supposed to have two glazed donuts as your buns. <laughs> Uh, on a burger and then it quickly went away. It was one of those things that like came in and out real quick. And I still say that that's the correct way to eat both burgers and, and donuts, but you know, I may be in the minority. That's so funny. Yeah. It's like, um, it is the food version of, uh, that song, (laughs) that song, everyday people. Um, it was just in and out and that you remember it. It was a thing. It was a one hit wonder. I, I don't get down with super sweet foods and in savory. Like I don't like the mm. whole trend of like bacon and sweet foods, like a bacon and a donut or bacon. I did not like that whatsoever. I thought it was an yeah. abomination. When the bacon donut happened, it was, I'm a huge bacon fan, not surprisingly. Yeah. Um, and I was very excited by that trend and I, I hated it too. So like, I don't like the bacon on a donut. I like it in concept. I do like, I, I'm a big fan of, the savory and sweet together, if it's the right combination, hence me loving those donut burgers. Yeah. But the bacon donut has never done it for me. I think that's what took out that. That might have been what took out the burger bun uh, donut thing. Like after the bacon donut thing, they were like, we got to guys. No, yeah. <laughs> we're going way too far. <laughs> exactly. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, OK, what is your do you have a hangover cure? What is your favorite hangover cure? I wouldn't say a cure, but it's the bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. It's, you know, going... Uh, like the New York Bodega one? New or York, like New York a- Bodega one. I mean, back in college, there was this food truck called Bui. Uh, it's called BUI on Penn's campus that mm. we would go after a night of, of, of partying and you would go there and he, you'd say, um, you know, I remember it was uh, egg and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup. Like, egg and cheese, salt pepper, salt, pepper, ketchup. And he'd say it really quick and be like, yes. And then he would do that. And Amazing. that was all that was that's that to this day, it's, you know, whether it's a bodega one or, um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, in Atlanta, they have a bagel shop, Emerald City Bagels, where we'll sometimes yes. order, we'll order, uh, you know, a bagel sandwich with the bacon, egg and cheese. Or they have the Taylor ham, egg and cheese there also uh, mm. to represent Jersey. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a breakfast sandwich is really my hangover food. 
We are we're actually firing on a lot of the same cylinders right now because a lot of a lot of your answers are my answers too. Um, That's why we're so who, compatible. I know. I'm curious. Uh, this next one, uh, besides Dana Dude, who is your favorite celebrity food personality? I had down here. If you count, I was going to say you. <laughs> but uh, if it can't be you, uh, you know, number one would be Wolfgang Puck. Uh, oh I, yeah. The reason why I say that is because I like multiple of his restaurants in town. Um, I love Spago. I love Chinois. Um, mm. uh, is it Chinois in Maine, which is sort of like a, a, a you know Chinese? They have like a lobster dish there that's nuts. That like uh, you, you got to try it sometime. Is Chinois is that the one that's like on top of the Ritz Carlton downtown? No, no, that used to be what was that called? Was that was like WP twenty WP twenty four. WP twenty four. I don't know if that's still there. That was one oh, okay. that that we used to go to. But Chinois in Maine, you got to go to. There, where lost, is that? It's on, on Main, like down, down by uh, like three blocks from the water. Oh, um, in Santa Monica. Okay, got it. Yeah, it's either Santa Monica or is it Venice or I don't know. Uh, I've never been. That's so funny. You, you got, there's two dishes there that you must have. It's their lobster dish, which has this rice that's unreal. Um, mm. And like it has like this, I'm not a kale guy, but they have like the kale like that's, I don't know. I forget how it's prepared, but it's almost like crispy, like, like chips. In a sense. Wait, you're telling you're telling me the guy that is on a Taco Bell Facebook group is not a kale guy? Yeah, shockingly. Um, but <laughs> but they have that, and they have a catfish dish there. And I'm not a big catfish guy either, but they have yeah. a catfish uh, dish there that is is amazing. So wow. and the thing that's so the thing that I also really love about Wolfgang Puck is anytime I'm at a Wolfgang Puck restaurant, he's there. So I'm convinced that he has a multiplicity thing going on that there can't be just one of him because he's he's at each restaurant that i'm at so if i'm at i was i i had one particular week where i remember it was celebrating a number of special occasions in a short period of time and like right. on one night i'm I, I, like the friday night i ended up at spago and i see him there and he comes over to all the tables and says hello and it's just very friendly and then the next night i'm at chinois and he's there coming around to all the tables saying hi so he's oh my God. Like a, lot of, a lot of him Maybe he's got body. Maybe he's like Kim Jong Un. He's just got like a bunch of doubles going around. <laughs> I think that it's either that or the multiplicity solution. I don't. I'm not sure. Um, I actually want to get him on the podcast. I should just go eat at one of his restaurants, and he'll just poof. You'll meet. You'll you'll table. meet him because he'll be there. Go yeah. with me, and he'll definitely be there. <laughs> Amazing. Um. All right. What is your desert island food? So you're trapped on a desert island. One food you're going to eat for the rest of your life. You will not get tired of eating this food. You won't get tired of eating it. No. All right. So I was thinking about this one and it, it, is it okay to just say sushi? And it, yes. Or is, okay. So if you say sushi, then it's like variety, different kinds of sushi. I, maybe I'm not yes. allowed to order my specifics, but they're just going to feed me whatever sushi or is it the same? Let me say, okay. I'll give you three. I'll give you, you get three types of sushi. What do you get? Uh, I will get, uh, let's see. I would probably, uh, this is tough because I would say uni, but do I want uni every day for the rest of my life? Oh, um, no way, dude. No, th so that doesn't work. So I would probably say, uh, you know, a scallop sushi. Uh-huh. That's a good, uh, that's a good daily, that's a good daily driver. Yeah. Um, maybe a, a salmon, salmon. I like the, I like just straight up, straight up salmon sushi. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I like, uh, the bay crab hand roll or something oh, like yeah. that. Um, are, you're naming I, a lot of Katsuya type things. Are, is that where you go? Are you a Katsuya guy? I, I like, I like, uh, I do like Katsuya. I like sugarfish. I like, uh, Kazunori, which is their, you know, their hand roll 
joint. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I would want, I'd, I would want, I would hope to have more options there. Maybe I'd get a spicy tuna roll as one of the things and, and maybe not have, I'd either swap out the scallop or the salmon and have it. We like, are, so I have, we're generous on the, on our desert Island. You can have four things. That's okay. All right. So I figure sushi because there's a version of like, I, I it doesn't feel overly heavy. And yeah. I'm thinking that I'm trying to live, continue and trying to be healthy to some degree. Do I, I as long as I have some soy sauce or ponzu or something? To, okay, now now you're pushing it. Now, now it's too much. It. No wasabi allowed. It. Do I get wasabi? I, it's supposed to be one ingredient. Suddenly we have like okay. fucking right. Jiro <laughs> dreams of sushi is on the island. <laughs> well, that's. I'm hoping that I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm imagining that I'm at a, a really luxurious <laughs> island. You're like, do I have my shark skin wasabi grater with me? <laughs> exactly. Um, is there a food that you can't stand eating? You know, it's so funny because I, I generally love all kinds of food. The one food that I don't eat still to this day is tuna salad. And it's weird because I like things that are like tuna. I like whitefish salad. I like, oh. I like um, at, a, at a restaurant when they have like a trout dip that like you spread on crackers or something like that. I love that stuff. It was when I was young, and this is one of when you talk about early food memories, most of them are traumatic. There's either the, the glass eyeball or this, you know, just like yeah. I, have an old, I have an older brother who hated the smell of tuna fish, as did I as a kid, uh, yeah. the tuna salad, and would talk about it being gross and talk about it being duty, and it smells like shit, basically. Right. And it's gross, and it was ingrained in my head at a really young age. And it was really, back then, it was tuna fish and chopped liver were the two things that my brother basically when I was like three, four, five, six years old, ingrained in me, that was just super gross. And as an adult, I've gotten into chopped liver. I love chopped liver. And I tried tuna fish a couple times, tuna salad a couple times. And it wasn't like I hated it, but I just still had this like knee jerk reaction of not yeah. wanting to eat it and being completely disgusted. And the smell still bothers me. How interesting that the aversion to what you would think it would be the other way around that you'd, you'd come around to the tuna salad, especially since you like these other fish, but the chopped liver would still be on the shit list because that chopped liver is, is not easy. It's a, it's a, it's a funky food. Like it's, it's yeah. not an easy one. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy that that one came around for me. And like, I, I think it started, you know what it was? It was at, at animal at animal years ago, they had this chicken liver toast that right. I remember that I had forgotten about until this moment that like would probably be on my death row meal. Cause it's just so, so good. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that once I had that and I loved that it, op it was a gateway for me when it came to, to chop liver later on, but the tuna salad, I think it's just the smell. The tuna salad smell is just sort of since childhood has always bothered me. I love the idea that you're on this death row meal and then you're just like creating courses out of nowhere for, for these poor wardens <laughs> to go and fetch. Guys, yeah, so guys, I, I forgot about the chicken, the chicken liver moose at Animal. <laughs> I'm going to be the biggest pain in the ass if I'm ever on death row. I'm going to be the biggest problem that they've ever had. Okay, um, now my favorite question of all, uh, which is the last question. Uh, what is or are your restaurant pet peeves? I mean, the biggest pet peeve we, we dealt with on Cobra Kai, which is when someone doesn't write down, when the, way, the server doesn't write down your order on on a piece of paper yes, and you're ordering specific things. And it, from that moment on, there's just anxiety. The meal, you're yes. at a restaurant, you're, you're hoping to have a good time and you can't if you're me um, because yeah. you're thinking they're going to screw up my order. And I'd say 65% of the time they do. 
they screw it up. I'd say, and even more, if they get it right, and even if they get it right, they just they just ruin those twenty minutes for you. Yes, exactly. They've ruined that. So that's that's the number one pet peeve. Uh, and you know, we covered it with Johnny and Daniel uh, at the Mexican restaurant, and uh, is it season two? End of season two might have been. Um, yes, I believe so. Yeah, so we covered it there. The the secondary one, which I just recently experienced with my wife, was when you order as a family or you order as a group. And they bring everyone's food and they screwed up one person's order. And then they're like, mm. have to take the one person's order back to the kitchen. And you're mm -hmm. put in that awkward situation of like, should I be eating my food? Should I be waiting? Uh, and then everyone's right. like, no, no, eat your food. And then you're eating your food, but feeling weird about it. And especially when it takes 20 minutes for them to, to bring the new food out for your, the person you're eating with. That's a good one. No one's ever said that one before. And I, I haven't I haven't ever thought about it, but it makes a lot of sense. Like I'm trying to think if I was in that position, what would I do? Um, I mean, you, you have to eat. You have to eat. You have to but, eat, but but you're eating. You're eating in a in with the with the anxiety of feeling bad for someone else at your table that they're not getting right. to eat. You're thinking you're half eating and half looking to see like is their food yes. coming. And then you're slowing as, down your pace, you're slowing down the pace because you don't want to be done before they get their thing. And as each minute t ticks by, you're like, wait a second. Now I'm halfway done with my food and theirs isn't even here yet. And you're like, I should stop now. But like, I've already gotten deep into it. And well, the food should be here any second now. And it's just like it takes uh, uh, that. I hate that. Those are the those are the experiences, the things where you're at a restaurant, you're paying for a meal, you're you're you want to just have a nice relaxing time and enjoy your company and enjoy the yeah. delicious food there. So anything that's going to make you have to like have any concern about like, are you getting your food uh, or is you're going to get your food correctly? Or now what's the etiquette of like, do I eat or not? Like all of that stuff is where it bothers me. You know what, though? I think the reason I like eating with you is because we're on the same level of like, if something's not right, I'm going to say something like I, I think we were eating at we for Josh Heald's birthday at a steakhouse and like the music wasn't coming on. And like, we just didn't stop until they fixed the music. For some, We were like, we can't eat like this. We're, we're just yes. not going to enjoy ourselves. Yeah, it's um, we're eating in silence. I mean, only <laughs> right. each other's voices. We need some ambiance here. Come on. We need some ambiance. We lit a scented candle. <laughs> exactly. Uh, John, this was as exciting as I knew it was going to be. I love talking to people who are as big a food nerd as I am. And this, uh, this definitely uh, lived up to my expectations. Uh, tell the people where they can find you and what they should be looking out for. Uh, first of all, this has been awesome for me as well. I've been looking forward to eventually having the time to do this with you and uh, what perfect timing. And there's, there was so much to cover. Uh, you could find me on, uh, on, on Twitter or on Instagram as at John Hurwitz, J-O-N, no H in there. So J-O-N Hurwitz, H-U-R-W-I-T-Z. It's a lot. Uh, it's a lot of Cobra Kai content and a lot of Mets content. If you, if that's your Venn diagram, this is the account for you. <laughs> exactly. That's what. That's what you got. A lot of Cobra Kai, a lot of Mets, uh, and uh, that's that's where you find me. Or you find uh, Cobra Kai on Netflix. You know, new season coming out nine nine. And I, I tell everybody be on the lookout for Obliterated. Obliterated is our next show that Hayden, Josh, and I we're currently in production on. It should be coming out sometime next summer on Netflix as well. But if you used to be a fan of those R-rated big, the huge R-rated summer comedies that would come out and you love big action movies, uh, this is kind of a, a hybrid of them. Obliterated is basically uh, Die Hard meets The Hangover. 
So uh, it's, uh, but as a, but as a TV series and we're uh, in our second month of production and every day we're leaving set with people blown away by what we're, what we're doing here. And it's hilarious and fun. So look out for Cobra Kai, look out for obliterated down the road. Well, anything you guys touch turns to gold. So I cannot wait to watch that. And also the sequel to Ferris Bueller's day off. Uh, just reading we're, about that sounds insane. It sounds yeah, unbelievable. We're, yeah, we're doing uh, Sam and Victor's Day Off. So it's it's not exactly a sequel. It takes place the exact same day as Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but it's the the we follow the day of the two valets who stole the car. Who stole so, the Ferrari? Who stole the Ferrari? So it's it's basically you know uh, it takes place that exact same day. We uh, you know recast uh, you know younger actors to play those guys. And uh, we'll see what they were up to that day. So it's it's a real fun one. Amazing. Such a pleasure. Thank you, John. Good luck on the next season of Cobra Kai. I cannot wait uh, to spend my September 9th in my underwear in front of the TV all day long. Can't wait to watch it. Uh, love you, buddy. Thanks for doing this. Love you, too. Talk soon. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.